Hey everyone, it's a new episode, a new week of Find Your Film. This is Find Your Film episode 142, 142. We we have a great future here in Find Your Film. We've been working on this show really hard for the last two years. I don't know. I think we can go on forever. Bruce Parkey, co-host of Find Your Film, fellow co-host. How long do you you see Find Your Film lasting, Bruce? 20 years? 30 years? As the oldest member of the show... I every step I take is another one that I'm going to che- treasure. So um, tomorrow we'll still have it. Maybe. What What do you think, Eric Holmes? Eric Holmes, you, you just muted your mic. Is there some kind of alienation between me and you and, and Bruce? Oh, you unmuted it now. Okay, I like it. What's uh, how long I, do you think find your film will last? Yes, sir. Um, at least at least sixty nine more minutes. Or at least sixty nine more minutes. Sixty nine more episodes. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Right now it's. Episode 142, Eric Holmes, for some reason, is it a portent of something good or bad? There is a Find Your Film logo created for us by who, Eric Holmes? Juan Diego Escobar Alzate, director director of Lose the Flower of Evil, made this wonderful piece of art. Lose the Flower of Evil, yeah. Love that film. Love Juan Diego Escobar Alzate. What are some of your best memories from the last two years of, of Find Your Film, Bruce? <laughs> My best memories? Just, just in general. Yeah. Do you have anything so first of all, I have to be able to remember things. Yeah, um, that's tough. <laughs> oh, I think every okay, well, time that we got to you to swear profusely, that's been very good. This feels like a very special episode. Like, you know, <laughs> where the one where Arnold got taken into the bike shop? What's going to happen <laughs> in this episode? I think one of my favorite moments was the fact that when we dis- when we discovered films on Find Your Film that a lot of people don't, okay? Specifically, there's a movie called Lunana, A Yak in the Classroom, which had a really good run on Netflix. We discovered that quite early in the process, and we were raving about it. It took certain people, oh, understandably, weeks, if not months, to catch up with this movie. And look, over the years, on our Deepest Dream YouTube channel, it's actually our most viewed within the last two years. There's 17,000 people who've actually listened to Find Your Film just because they wanted to hear our review of Lunana, a yak in the classroom. I love that film so much. Bruce, the reason why I was talking so much is did, did anything swirl in your head as far as really good memories? I have Lunana. Eric, what was your, what was your memory again? You had some, some good memories of find your film FYF. Uh, probably the, the, L- the long sip, the long I, sip with Maddie. That, that was a good one. Yeah, Matty Doe, yes. During our Find Your Film existence, we really enjoyed that movie, The Long Walk. I had a great one-on-one interview with Matty Doe, but obviously there are people who are smarter than me in this world. There's Bruce Berkey, there's Eric Holmes, and there is our treasured friend and fellow podcaster from Movie Bears Podcast. Podcast That is William Lindis. William Lindis, Bruce Berkey, and Eric Holmes sat down, actually, via virtual a virtual Zoom situation with Maddie Doe for several hours to talk to talk about her film, her career, her life, The Long Sip. Who knows? Maybe I will actually make sure I do a real complete Eric Holmes edit on The Long Sip and you'll get the full interview down the road. So The Long Sip, Lunana, Yak in the Classroom. There's some Juan Diego Escobar Alzate. What about you, Bruce? Throw some memories into, into the kit and caboodle. I don't even know, know what a kit or caboodle is, but just throw, <laughs> just caboodle it, Bruce. I mean, gosh, I don't know. I I, I, I had a lot of fun. Um, I I really had the most fun, I think, when when either uh, Eric just 
loves something just out of the blue that is just uh, blows our minds. Like, what is this movie? And he brings some really crazy movie that we never heard of. And then all of a sudden it's in our brains. Uh, I love that. And I also love when I hate something and, and Greg, you lose your mind over it. <laughs> so I think most notably, I think Tenet uh, went on for months and months and months. So you're just like, what that or the, the painted bird or one of those things. So yeah, that's always fun for me. One of the funnest things, or the funnest, I think that's a word, one of the funnest or funniest things, or actually the truest things, is to see Eric Holmes and Bruce. They didn't, they didn't know me before I started doing cinematics with Anderson Cowan, and they got to know me the last two, two and a half, three years of doing Movie Mainline and now Find Your Film. Are, Eric, are you surprised at how compromised an individual I've been over the last three years? Did, did I introduce you to the world of compromise and pay for play, payola, <laughs> scheming? What do you think? Uh- Oh yeah, no, no, that you uh you uh projected that pretty well, I think. So okay. it wasn't too much of a surprise. You were supposed to rebut that, Eric. Oh, I mean no, no, I had no idea is what it meant to say. Bruce, do you like to swear? Because you have you have a couple of vul- vulgar moments. You and Eric, do you guys still like to swear? I mean, you're already bringing up rebutting things. I mean, I don't even have to do anything. You've already <laughs> done it today, so Eric, what would, how would life be like if you couldn't swear for quite a while when you're discussing cinema? Would would that be a pain in your heart? Would you would you be brokenhearted? Could you could you uh, do it? Could you last? Um, I mean, if we had to watch the bad Russo brothers movies, that might be kind of tough. Uh, might be kind of tough for like watching a Michael Bay movie and not being able to swear. Um, but we don't do those often, so I think it'd be all right. There's a lot of things we don't do that often. And unfortunately, this will be our last episode of Find Your Film. This is Find Your Film, episode 142. We are going out with a bang. I mean, whimper. I mean, bang. I mean, whimper. No, we're going out with a bang. We have a bunch of movies to cover this episode. Look, moving forward, we are still going to have that Find Your Film aesthetic and what, what, what's aesthetic, Bruce? What better words like a uh, spirit? POV, je ne sais quoi. Stank. Je ne sais quoi. I like stank. I like je ne sais quoi. We will bring that to, again, Eric and Bruce have been part of the Cinematics Podcast for quite a while now. So we're going to take our talents, not to Miami, we're going to take our talents specifically to Cinematics. So if you want to continue this Find Your Film, uncovering gems, or maybe warning you guys for movies not to watch, check us out on Cinematics very, very soon. We'll be back again as that Find Your Film trio via the Umbrella of Cinematics next week during Thanksgiving weekend. So you'll be introduced to our, nothing's going to change that much, our our behavior. Eric, Bruce, you see us changing at all whatsoever when we move our our voices and our thoughts to cinematics? What do you guys oh, think? Well, like with any uh, any uh, corporate enterprise mergers, um, we say nothing's going to change. Everything's going to change which is kind of the point, but you got to say nothing's going to change. So um, yeah, that, yeah. that's very, that's we very, got the, we got the Amazon, we got the Google colliding. We got the finer film. We got the, the cinematics colliding. Um, probably going to fire about 90% of the workforce. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it'll be good stuff. The, the stock, uh, the shareholders uh, will really enjoy it. I, I believe so. Oh no. Oh no. Uh, you know what? We used to fire up the the can- the five star cannons for indie cinema. Are we suddenly going to look at corporate movies, Bruce? What do you think? Corporatization of movie cultures. Are we going to be doing? I, I just reinstated my uh, Disney Plus account as you were talking. So, and the Hulu is going now. Um, I got rid of Shutter. It's just way too indie. It, you know, no one cares about that. 
save your five bucks on something better, right? Bruce, like some kind of Marvel figurine. What do you think? I'm going to buy some kind of cryptocurrency that's $5, which is probably like very, very terrible, but I'm going to give it a try. Okay. Oh, so. <laughs> also, we're going to be uh, talking your ear off about uh, the new Black Panther movie and speculating on the next Marvel movie. And those that that's really all we're going to talk about um, between between times, just speculating on the new movies and talking about the one ad nauseum until it comes out. And then uh, maybe maybe looking back at uh, old older movies like, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, the first Black Panther and go, uh, let's uh, reassess it. Is well, it great or is it fantastic? And then, you know, that's 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 the kind of thing we do. Well, the good news was. The good news is Eric and Bruce have been very highly sarcastic because Eric, what he said right now sounds like music and honey to my ears. I love that. The good news, that's the good news for me personally. I love Black Adam and I love MCU, DCU, all, all the EUs. But the problem is Bruce, Eric, and Anderson Callan, they're all indie spirited cinephiles. So you're gonna, we're going to have that indie spirit continuing via cinematics. We will continue to find your film regarding that cinematics podcast feed. Now that's a week into the future. Let's go with our final final episode 142 and let's talk about movies that have that indie spirit. What's up listeners? Force 5 is a show about movie related top 5 lists hosted by me, Blacklist screenwriter and ex video store cinephile Jason Kleberg. I have a new guest on each week and the guest gets to pick the topic. Past guests have included film directors, screenwriters, actors, critics, comedians, rappers, artists, and other podcasters. Love or hate our picks, you're guaranteed to walk away thinking, what would be on my list? Search Force 5 wherever you get your pods or head to force5podcast.com. Bruce Perky, before we get to our featured films, he said, I recently saw The Wonder and I told Bruce specifically, it's out on Netflix. We don't have to do any extra credit for our lovely cinephiles, cinephiliac community, but Bruce saw the wonder. So very quick take, Bruce, you love Flo, you love Florence Pugh, you you are one of the don't worry darling defenders. I am one of the only ones, I think. Yeah, don't okay. worry darling. Uh, this is a year we get two Florence Pugh like leading roles. I think she's been in a small role too in something else, but her two two leading roles, yeah, so that's pretty cool. I'm not going to do a full review but I I was thinking I might do kind of like I did with uh with uh All Quiet on the Western Front and Smile. I might do a little longer off-pod review of it as well, but Very cool. Uh, this is, I think, coming out on Netflix in what two days? Two well, days, two or maybe days. even. I saw in right, maybe even right now. It's speaking. it might have it, it might have popped up today. Yeah, because I was I first had to put my code in, and then later in the day I didn't have to put my code in, so it might be there now. So hey, go what check it out. Um, Set in eighteen sixty two is a, what she's a nurse. She goes into that the town or something like that. Yeah, so I'll give you the basic concept. Uh, first of all, I would recommend this. I would also warn you, it's it's you know it's a period piece. It's very slow. It's not a horror movie. This is like a dr- drama, so don't go into it thinking it's going to be spooky ooky. It is not going to be that. Um, but I think it's very it's very good. And of course, as always, her acting is impeccable. Uh, she has to do some really really subtle acting and not quite as big you know big outward role as she does in some of her other ones. And and you can just see how much of a craftsperson she is uh, where she's just looking at things and acting, you know, just her face is just acting all over the place. It's She's crazy. She's so good. Uh, basic concept is she's a nurse, an English nurse brought to a very rural era, area of Ireland in what, 1862. This is just a few years after the, the giant Irish 
famine, right? Famous famine. So the wonder that she is going to find out about is she's been brought in along with a nun to keep watch on a little girl. The little girl is uh, the daughter of this, you know, very poor Irish family. They live in like a cabin kind of out on the, I don't know if it's the Moors or what you call it. <laughs> I think it's the Moors is maybe Scotland, but you know, out in the, the plains there near, near a small village. And uh, supposedly she has not eaten for four months and no water, no food. And she looks perfectly healthy. Uh, and basically the idea is they want to basically see is, can they certify her as a saint, you know, a modern saint in their case, quote modern and, uh, the nun and the nurse, the nurse being Florence Pugh are supposed to take shifts, you know, literally half the day, half the day watching her, making sure she's not getting fed secretly or secretly sneaking food to prove that she truly is, you know, you know, this glorious saint. Uh, and as you might guess, there's a lot of stuff about religion versus science because Florence uh, is a very science minded person. And I'll just say it goes places that are very, very interesting. Uh, and it really gets deep into the idea of faith and grief and loss. There's a lot of stuff in here about grief and loss. Uh, and cause the little girl has a brother who has passed away. So the family, of course, is still grieving that. And uh, Florence Pugh is known in this as Mrs. Wright because she is a widow. Her husband has passed away within less than a year of their marriage. So it's a very interesting movie. I think really, really interesting and cool. And it does something really strange at the very beginning, and then I'll kind of leave this. The very beginning, it shows a soundstage. And there's a weird voiceover. And you're like, why are we seeing a soundstage? And it says something like to the effect of, uh, what we are watching is a depiction of blah, blah, blah. And everyone who's involved in this believes in what they're doing. Absolutely. Something like something to that effect. And then it goes into the story, stays into the story, the whole movie until the very, very end. And then it goes back out of that. It's a very strange artifice to put in this movie. And I, I haven't quite is figured it Is it necessary? Out. Sorry. Is it? Yeah. Well, you haven't figured it out. What is, is um, it I understand, I think, why it's there, because a lot of this movie is about belief and faith versus reality and how different versions of stories that people tell kind of alternate what their, I guess, their identity is. And that has a lot to do with how this movie um, progresses. I'm getting very vague, obviously. But there's a, a very big turn in the last third of this movie where Florence Pugh makes a very, very um, interesting decision. I'll leave it at that. Uh, I like this movie quite a bit. I would rate it about four stars. I'll give a little more thorough review um, on my on my uh, off-pod review. Uh, maybe get into some spoilers even on that. Oh, that is very good. We're looking forward to the spoiler stuff or the expanded review of The Wonder. Before we leave that, Bruce, very quickly, someone says, Bruce, The Wonder, it just seems like, okay, I like Florence Pugh, but it feels like if it's not going to be a horror thriller, supernatural thing, it looks like a slow burn. So if people do not like slow burn type of movies, is that the barrier to entry for The Wonder? Yeah, I would say if you if you don't like subdued, subtle period dramas that's that's a lot a lot of barriers for people if you don't like that it probably won't work for you but if you like movies that really kind of deal with you know real big questions of morality and religion and science and kind of how people create these things uh i think you might find a lot 
to enjoy there. Okay. Before we get to our featured reviews, that is The Wonder from Bruce Perky. Eric Holmes, he's actually seen some movies off topic, off brand, off the featured reviews for Find Your Film. Recently saw a movie called Smile, which Bruce actually posted a mini review recently on our Find Your Film podcast feed. You can check that out as well. And I don't want to get into what he thought about that movie at all. Eric Holmes, can you say something about Smile? I loved it. Five stars. I love it. Oh, look. Oh, you get, you're giving me the, the googly eye look. Oh, and then you're putting your 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 oh, the, the <laughs> thumb to the throat. We can't do that on cinematics when we move over, Eric. Are you going to miss the throat slashes and the, the googly <laughs> eyes? And yeah. All that stuff? Now, are you going to miss watching Smile? I give it five stars. Again, I was kidding about Bruce. Bruce was disappointed with Smile. Where do you land on the spectrum? I, I liked it. It was, uh, you know, just uh, uh, probably not five stars on it, probably like three and a half, four stars on it. But it, it was a pretty, pretty uh, tight little horror movie. One second. Did you hear that, Bruce? Did you hear what Eric Holmes just said? This is, you know, you, are you going to up your review on, on Smile? Five no, star I banger? predicted that most people will probably like it about that much, but it yeah. annoyed me. Okay. <laughs> yes, Eric, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> But uh, yeah, yeah, it was uh, it 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 made me smile a little bit. So we'll, we'll go with that. I I did I did like the ending a lot. Um, Excellent. Yes. So you were doing the interview with uh, Kyle Gallner, and you were talking about the ending, and I didn't know what the hell you guys were talking about. Yeah. And then I watched the movie. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, now it makes sense. Okay, but, so uh, look, the thing is, Bruce was mixed on it. In in all fairness, do you see that people who won't like there's. People who won't like Smile are people who are what? Like, as far as that, is there a barrier for Smile? Uh, if your or, name is Bruce Perky, you will not. <laughs> Come on. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's, uh, um, I, I wonder if maybe some of it uh, might have to do, because it's gotten like really great reviews so far. Maybe it's like uh, too, uh, too hype going in, perhaps. Um, because Bruce, it, do, it, do, it, derivative, it, it, maybe? Do you find it derivative at all? Yeah, for me, it was just way too tropey. I felt like it it did so many things that I've seen before, and I I just kind of fell off the boat on that. And I don't like the jump scary kind of things, and I thought the jump scares were pretty cheap, so I didn't like that either. Eric, you're an expert on the genre. How do you feel about that? Do you feel it was too trope-driven, derivative, a little bit too cliched regarding its storytelling? So the the hype going in was, oh my God, this movie's so awesome. And then when I watched it, it was like, well, this is just like a really good version of this kind of movie. Um, it, it doesn't like reinvent the genre, I don't think, but you know, it's just, it's, it's kind of like, a um, probably like something like saw maybe not, not that they do the traps or anything like that, but or like a saw or, um, I want to say like conjuring, but I hate the conjuring movies and I like this one. So that didn't really work, but, uh, it, it feels, yeah. Like Bruce says, it feels kind of tropey, but it's kind of like, uh, uh, for me, it's one of those movies that does the genre and it knows what's doing and does it pretty well. I think. Yeah. I love smile. The reason why I give it five stars is I, I, I did overrate it for a couple of reasons. I mean, it's my personal five star. I love Kyle Gallner. We loved him from dinner in America. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. And of course, Bruce, you love dinner in America as well. I am not an expert like Bruce or Eric is regarding this horror thriller genre. So maybe I think Bruce in your mini review, did you meant, did you reference Ringu or a couple of other things that it reminded yeah. you of? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it had a lot of ring in it. A lot yeah. of ring. 
It had a lot of ring in smile. But for me, I love the pacing. I love the atmosphere. And I love the fact that it was really Sosie Bacon. I believe that's the, the actress in the movie. It's really closed off on her journey as far as to rid herself of this, whatever this supernatural creature is or this demon actually reconcile with her past. And it gets, when it gets to that ending without giving too much away, I felt I really love the uncompromising nature of that ending. And you can uh, hear Kyle Gallman talk about it in our Cinematics Patreon feed. Yes, Eric Holmes. I, I will say after watching Smile, I cannot wait for Kyle Gallner to like be in his 60s playing a grizzled cop about about to retire. I'm, I'm waiting for that movie. That and, I won't, and what sucks is I'm not going to be alive for it, but I would love how to dare, see that movie. How dare you, Eric? You will be alive for it. Me and Bruce. Dude, he's like be... 20 years old. And he, I know, he's but... already starting to look like a grizzled cop. And, you know, <laughs> but by, by the time he's in his 60s, I'm going to be in my... Yeah, I'm going to be long dead by then. Okay. If you're going to be long dead, how about you, me and you, Bruce? How long will we be dead? Um. Yeah, I might be part cyborg by then. That's what I'm counting on. <laughs> okay, so that is Smile. And then finally, Eric Collins, before we get to our features, featured All Quiet on the Western Front. Bruce, you reviewed it on the mini reviews. I believe you absolutely. He was actually forcing me and Eric to watch it. He loved it so much. But Eric, what is your fresh take on All Quiet on the Western Front? Did you love it as much as Bruce did? Uh, No, this is... Uh, oh. I love this. <laughs> This, I love uh, this. This was very, uh, Uh-oh. very beautiful movie. Well put okay. together. Acting's awesome. Um, but the story wasn't there for me. It was just kind of, kind of went on. And like after about an hour, I look at the time and to see that only <laughs> 10 minutes had passed by. I'm like, God damn, how fucking long is this thing? Um, but all this uh, boring, for the, for, all for this those, question front. For those oh. of you that don't know, uh, Lieutenant Corporal John Western. Uh, Western Front uh, comes out. And he's like, "Hey guys, it's kind of quiet out here." <laughs> and uh, and then and then a bunch of people die. Um, this is uh like the all like all the all the it's weird because all the individual ingredients in this is really good, but they're like I wasn't really. I kind of got through it out of uh, uh, almost like I felt I had to. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I guess you got to get through. Yeah. P- yeah. Pretty much. Like there, there wasn't any story or through line actually pulling me through like, like with Dahmer, the thing's like 10 hours long, but I was, I was still hooked in. Like I, I wanted to see Nisi Nash's story go forward. I want to see what happens to Dahmer. I want to see what comes of the whole cop thing. Like there's always stuff that's pulling me through the story with all quiet on the Western front. It's just war scene after war scene after quiet part after a war scene which are all done really well but it just didn't it didn't thread through for it, uh, something that kept me interested eric are you a fan of the war genre does that have nothing yeah, to do well, with it we, we just talked about the big red one i was like all the like if the big red one looked as great as all quiet on the western front like you know married those two aspects of each other together you'd have a perfect war movie but I, I think the big red one, for whatever reason, like I was follow. I, I think I, I was getting more out of it, uh, story wise, character wise, and that I just wasn't getting from this. And Eric, did you like nineteen seventeen? That Sam Mendes film from a couple of years back, where it's like a Western yeah. Movie. But see, that's kind of that's kind of had the same problem that Western Front does. The the characters and the story's not there. Nineteen seventeen pulled me through because of the gimmick of the one shot. It's mm-hmm. like ooh, cool. This is really neat how they did that. If if you shoot 1917 like a regular movie, 
it's pretty much this. It's pretty much all quiet on the Western Front, and it's not particularly engaging on its own, I don't think. Are you surprised All Quiet on the Western Front is getting a ton of praise? No, not no, not at all. Because like, like I said, it's an awesome, well-put-together movie. Um, is I, I think this is just a personal thing. Like, I, I'm wanting, you know, more story or something to pull me through and i just didn't get anything it was just for me it was just a series of things happening bruce what say you you, you see do you see where eric's coming from that some people oh, yeah. Mean, uh... yeah i can see that i mean for me i i really enjoyed it i i think a better comparison than 1917 for me is platoon i think it's kind of similar to platoon in a way where you just have this group of people and they slowly get sucked into this world and it's like event after event after event um, and you have the main character of Charlie Sheen's not uh character in that. This guy, Paul, is kind of that in this movie. That's how it worked for me. And I guess a lot of people I mean it's one of those things like I could see either side of it. Kind of just depends on how it grabs you. Yeah. Speaking speaking of things that grab us, we mentioned some really good movies lately, and uh Great. I was surprised watch your song. Oh, show now. We can't speak of things no, no, that grab no, no. us. Hey, listen to me. We're, we're not double. We're, we're not actually doubling this podcast. This is our last Find Your Film episode. Oh, okay. Then, so get then, your then shots. Grab away. <laughs> then grab away. Then grab away. Bad acts. What a movie to end Find Your Film on. Again, we're not really ending Find Your Film. We're just moving across the street to cinematics. But let me just say this. Family. Asian, American family. It's Asian and Mexican family. One of them is a Cambodian immigrant. And the other one is a Mexican American woman. They have, they have kids. They've raised them over in this city called Bad Axe, Michigan. They've opened. They used to have a donut shop, and now it's a restaurant called Rachel's in Bad Axe, Michigan. The movie traces specifically the background of the patriarch, as well as the trials and tribulations of this entire family unit in keeping Rachel's afloat during the COVID nineteen pandemic as well as the BLM, BLM movement and the protests, understandably so, regarding George Floyd. So it's very, it seems like these themes are very intense. Some would say, oh, it's too heavy-headed for me. I'm going to avoid bad acts. But let me tell you, the movie gripped, uh, it's not a movie, it, the, the documentary gripped me from the first second moving forward. And I I can't really praise this documentary enough let me go to Bruce for some for for some balanced leverage regarding a review, a real review of Bad Axe without getting without me heaping so much praise on this movie. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. This is a pretty great documentary. I, I uh, one of the things I think you have to describe is it's a very very small town. <laughs> this is like very rural, like one of those like everybody knows each other kind of towns, uh, and being you know with their story of what he's. The, the owner, what is it? Uh, uh, Chun. Chun. He's, yeah. he's, he's first generation from Cambodia. He was in the, the killing fields with his parents and uh, you know, his, his kids are just, you know, one step away from that. And uh, to be kind of living the American dream, uh, it's a pretty uh, intense story right there. And then what I really, really, really love about this movie as far as documentary, you could easily see somebody going like, oh, that's a really interesting story as this pandemic is starting. Let's look, 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 let's look at this family. But it's not that. It's organic. It's the, the son or the brother, depending on who you're looking at in this story um, of the family, was already kind of had a filmmaking, I guess, aspirations, right? He had made some shorts and things. And he thought this would be really interesting to, to start documenting 
and he just starts documenting it. So there, he's just doing it from the beginning, not knowing what he's going to get. And I think that's what really creates a bit of magic in this movie because we know what this starts in what 2000, 2020. Um, yeah. 20. Yeah. Right. So it's, and it goes up to basically about the election and, uh, we know some of the events in the world that are going to happen and they don't as we're following it. And that makes it really interesting because you're, I don't know about you guys, but I got really worried and I was really worried about where this is going to go because when they take certain steps, knowing how violent and how crazy things got, I didn't know what was going to end up in this movie. And I didn't know the story of this movie. Uh, it's, it's really good. Really yeah, good. It's- it's doing a really good. David Sieve or David Sieve is the director, very promising filmmaker, excellent documentary. Again, uh, one thing I really loved about it is the the portrayal of his family is very even eyed to the point of there is no sugarcoating in this movie, right? He's documenting his family. The camera doesn't lie when it, you know, obviously you can have edits, but it feels like the camera does not lie in bad acts. His, his uh, what his older sister? She's pretty much the a very, the most responsible one in the family. You get you get to see her warts and all. The dad, you you get to see his upbringing in Cambodia. How living in the killing fields affected him as a human being, as a father. There that there's no sugarcoating regarding his father. You get to see a lot of the conflicts, the inner conflicts within the family. Very layered documentary. And I don't even want to. It's a. Well, let me get to Eric. Did you love it as much as me and Bruce Badax? Yeah, yeah, it was really good. Um, the uh, first of all, anyone that says all lives matter, they don't believe all lives matter. (laughs) They believe white lives matter. That's what you mean when you say all lives matter. I'm not really. It's not about race. No, it no, it's not about race. It's about you know all lives matter. Oh, cool. Then how come when a black person gets murdered by a cop, you don't give a shit? Oh wait, we can't talk about it. we can curse. Hey, no, 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 no. This is fine. Your film. This is all right, I'm, Eric Holmes. My... We're seeing a glimpse of the future I, right now. <laughs> a lot of a lot of this movie was very triggering for me. Um, but I'd I'd love to uh, see the the real life version of that. Like this is a movie you want to uh, grab someone and clockwork orange your eyes open. Like someone that was like all lives matter, blue lives matter, blah blah blah. What like have them watch this because. Um, that stuff that's like, oh, what's it? What's a big deal? What's it? I, I, does it? Does it really affect you? It's like, well, no, it doesn't affect me at all. I'm not being murdered by cops. You know, I'm not. I'm not a person of color in a redneck, racist part of town, um, who's being threatened for making a movie <laughs> like that. That you know, there, there's a there's a point in the documentary where the documentary itself comes back around to uh, kick everyone's ass. And uh, just watching this family kind of go through all that, you know, kind of heartbreaking for them and loving them and pissed off at them. And like, you know, all the all the things you do in a in a, a good documentary featuring a family. Uh, our American family was a great example of that, um, you know, just living with them, going through uh, in our American family. They were going through drug abuse and this one. They're going through um, bad acts, their, their own town <laughs> being fucking assholes. And COVID, that, that, they they kept mentioning that this is a love letter to bad acts. I'm like, I think that was honestly, I think that was the the director um, using uh, filmmaking buzzwords. This is a love letter to blah blah blah. It's like it's not a love letter. I don't think you know what you're talking about. But uh, it, it it's certainly a really good expose on bad acts. 
I think where this movie kind of faltered a little bit was the hero worship of uh, Biden and Kamala Harris at the end. Because, I mean, let's be honest, they're just as big bags of shit as the rest of them. Um, but they what made way- up for it because right after that. I love this. Yeah. Right after that, they had they were showing videos, and I'll leave it at that because that warmed my heart so much to watch all that stuff happen at the very the, the very end. Got me crying and like right. in a happy way. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, same here, hey, Bruce. Sorry, I want to add one little thing. Uh, I think what is also super super powerful about this uh, is they are exactly the kind of family that the you know the the Fox News type crowd should love yeah like they are you know small business people making it on their own the father is a conservative on just about every aspect that you can possibly imagine if you look at his life he's showing people how to shoot guns he is a conservative in every single way uh and i think the other thing it does is it shows that how you just just shows how narrow people are when they just are viewing from the outside with their little version of reality as opposed to what actual reality is these are the actual lives these people lead, and they are not what you think. And even to the point of the whole COVID thing and them don't wear masks and blah, 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 blah. As someone who works in the food industry, I know what it was like. And this just shows you a small snippet of that, like all the stuff they had to do just to keep their business alive. I mean, it's it's really quite a remarkable documentary. Well, once yeah. we yeah, go ahead, Eric. I'm sorry. Go oh, ahead. I was also going to say is that that the um it it often goes back to because the the filmmaker's not in it like a lot. He's like in a couple part. Like the one time they show show him, he's like, yeah, this is going to be cut out. <laughs> but uh, it wasn't. Yeah. Okay. Um, but <laughs> they they reference they reference the filmmaker a lot, and it's almost like the movie um at times the movie criticizes itself. It, 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 it there there's certain parts in the movie where the movie realizes that yeah this probably wasn't the way to go but it does it, it like you know it it kind of I, I guess you put it lampshaded I guess is a term for it but uh I, I I think it's better than that because it it's almost commenting on itself in a real way um at times and I thought that was really good too yeah there are there are moments regarding the family dynamic which I think a director he or she was doing a movie on their family maybe they wouldn't have been gutsy enough to leave certain parts in those parts are in bad acts it is unfiltered raw regarding the portrayal of the family like eric holmes said the the final moments in this movie will wow it will uh will will get you moving in in a good way and you will get teary-eyed regarding bad acts Uh, for me this is a top 10 i actually asked anderson today for top 10 movies do you include documentaries in your top 10 films and he said yeah and as always as per usual as i've always done i i follow suit with, with, with whatever anderson says I, I follow suit for the last 25 plus years of knowing anderson so yeah i'm gonna put documentaries this year as part of my top 10 and bad x bad acts for me is one of my favorite films of this year five out of five rating for me regarding bad acts eric holmes your rating I'm probably four stars on this. Four stars on Ben yeah. Max. Yeah. Good, good. Solid recommend from Eric. What about you, Bruce? I think I'm five on this one. I think it's, I can't think of a better documentary for me that I've seen this year. Yeah, my goodness. What a way to end. Thank you, Eric Holmes, for that on the Google Doc. What a way to end this, our Find Your Film episode on 142 on uh, 
on Bad Acts. Great, great documentary. It is available in theaters and every, I believe everywhere you rent. Let me, I'm going to look it up right now. Hey, hey uh, Bruce, is that a good way to end this, our uh, final film episode on, on something like Bad Acts? Uh, sure. That's great. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's great. Let me, I'm looking it up right now. It won recently. It's in theaters and on demand Friday, and it recently won the Critics' Choice Documentary Award for Best First Feature. And it's executive produced by Daniel Day Kim and Jeff Tremaine. We will put links on our show notes on where you can see bad acts from IFC films. The reason why I asked you that question, Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky, is because there's only one or two things that can trump bad acts. Again, one of my favorite movies, probably one of Bruce's favorite movies. Eric loved bad acts as well. There's only one way. You got to go two ways to trump bad acts. Those two ways are two movies from Jason Momoa. We got two movies from Jason Momoa to, to treasure and love. And I think Bruce Perky is so excited to talk about some Jason Momoa films. Hey there, classmates. Tune in to Middle Class Film Class every Monday and Wednesday for weekly movie news, streaming picks, and one deep dive review. The Batman trailer. There was a teaser. There was a trailer. Trailer one, trailer two. Final trailer. I don't know if it's the same one. How many trailers do we need exactly? Leave an email or a voicemail to join in the discussion. Bullshit artist. Uh, <laughs> yeah, buddy. All right. Awesome. You're going full Danzig. That's right. I am. My my transmute has no power over me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start off with this movie. I don't know if it's aptly titled. It's called Slumberland. Let me ask Bruce Perky this question. It's an obvious dad joke question, even though I'm a funkle. Bruce, did Slumberland put you to sleep? Uh, no, it didn't. <laughs> I was laughing too much. <laughs> oh, enjoy laughing with joy. No, oh, what? it was cringy laughing, but yes, I was laughing a fair amount. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was going to say we did two Kyle Chandler movies this week. That's what I did. I didn't do two uh, <laughs> Jason Momoa movies. Hey, Bruce. All actors matter. Oh, uh, yeah. True. You know what? You know what, Eric, Eric Holmes, this kind of humor that you're spouting, po- politicized insights that you're in, in wise witticisms. When, when we moved to cinematics, me and Bruce, we were having a referendum, Anderson, we're having a referendum and we're, cor- we're reining you in. You're going to be, yeah. you're going to tow the party. <laughs> That's line, why buddy. I'm getting it all out now. Like I said, <laughs> once we do the, the uh, corporate enterprise merger is, uh, all, <laughs> we file off all the edges. And so I'm just getting as spiky as I can on this last, this last ride. You know what happens when you file off all the edges, Eric Holmes? You get a nice pricey manicure. I'm all about the pricey manicures. What about you, Bruce? Pricey I was you get the doughboy, but sure, whatever you want to say. <laughs> okay, Slumberland. Okay, I know Eric Holmes can't do a full review. He's still like 20 more minutes left. So I, I don't know, maybe his Citizen Kane moment, Rosebud moment has not yet happened with Slumberland. But what about you, Slumberland? Bruce Perky, whoa, look, plot synopsis. Girl. She loses her father, played by the aforementioned Kyle Chandler. Kyle Chandler is a <laughs> lighthouse keeper. She wakes up and she realizes her dad dies because he's probably out trying to save someone out, out in the sea. He's gone for forever, it seems, until she realizes she's she's actually now under the ward of her uncle, played by Chris O'Dowd or Chris Dowd. And she lives in a nice, beautiful skyrise apartment somewhere in some kind of nondescript city. But what happens when she sleeps in this high-rise apartment, she realizes she has a power to go into people's dreams via this person named Flip. Flip is played by Jason Momoa. And this young girl and Flip go around people's dreams to, while her 
her mission is to find her father within these dreams. And Flip's mission is to find this really magical pearl, which would give him maybe some kind of semblance on who he is. So that is the premise of Slumberland. What a beautiful, expansive, epic story. <laughs> what, a, be. what a beautiful CGI monstrosity this is. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, wow. Monstrosity. Okay. Did you cry? Did you cry at all? A little bit. I cried a little bit. Just just like a tear. Like a single tear. Um, <laughs> okay. So I, I, I can still swear this episode. That's right. So I should yes, probably use up, use up some of these. Uh, <laughs> use it up. Use it up. So let's talk about Flip. So Flip is played by Momoa. He is supposed to be like this character, this kind of scallywag character that was created in the storytelling that her dad used to tell her. And he's kind of going to lead her through all these dreamlands. Uh, what is the energy and the look of Flip is something like this. This is what I came up with. I, it's like if you took uh, Jack Sparrow as played by Johnny Depp and he fucked um, <laughs> Steven Tyler, like now they would shit out Flip. That's what you'd get. <laughs> yeah. And, and look, that it's everything Flip does is so cringe. It's so embarrassingly, terribly yeah. cringe. He's young at heart, Bruce. What do you think? And he's he has he has a pot belly. That should be cute, shouldn't it? Oh yeah, he rubs yeah. it all the time. He's noticed that he's sticking his stomach out. He makes sure that you see that. <laughs> did, did you laugh? Is that for comedic effect, Bruce? That's called comedic timing. What do you think about that? Uh, the way he walked. What was he doing? It was like he was walking with this weird bow-legged like strut or something. I, it's like he really wanted to be the Mad Hatter or something. I don't know what he was doing. That's, that's called that's called a funny man gait. Funny wiggly, man gate. The wiggly ears. He's like the, yeah, he's like the clown version of uh, Beauty and the Beast Beast, maybe. I don't know. And just this movie was really weird. Um, there was a thing where they rode giant geese, kind of like that. That was kind of cool. That took, that took my breath away. Did that, was that breath? <laughs> By the way, the lead is Marlo Barkley. She's just a kid. We're not going to throw pot shots at her. She's, I liked her. She plays Nemo. This is Nemo and, in shitty land is what this is. <laughs> Nemo in, in ishy land. Oh my. Eric Holmes, save this review. You, I know you can't fully review it. You have 20, 20 minutes left. Do you agree with Bruce or do you find something magical and beautiful and sublime regarding Slumberland? Yes. I, I just thought this was kind of a cute kids movie. Thank you. I, I, I didn't really, uh, I didn't really look into it more than much more than that. Why? Because you um, love kids, right? it's kind of like uh it's like i i see what they're doing it's harmless i'm i'm, I'm fine with it um yeah. granted they it could uh I, I got i got 20 minutes left so i'm, I'm just going by <laughs> i'm going by what i got what i got um what i've seen so far um you know it's oddly enough feels like a christmas movie i don't know that's set in christmas but it feels like a christmas movie so it's got kind of that kind of, and, and no i don't mean die hard we get it Die Hard's a Christmas movie. It's a totally yeah, that's fine. But I mean, th- this has that kind of Christmas spirit to it, I guess. Maybe because Momoa's got the ram horns, and it makes me think of like the uh, uh, Krampus. Krampus, maybe. Yeah, he's got he's got some he's got some Krampus energy to him for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, so far it's cute. Um, it's not going to make my top ten of the year, uh, but. I don't hate it so far. Well, look, here's the thing. The movie's directed by Francis Lawrence. His movies from Francis Lawrence include Constantine. I am legend. Oh, so this is his best movie so far, then. 
Waterfowl. <laughs> Very good. Uh, like rimshot. Waterfowl. <laughs> Waterfowl elephants. Like by a lot. Like, uh, <laughs> the Hunger Games movies, a couple of them, and Red Sparrow. and I, th- yeah, I, th- I think Hunger Games. So I only seen one of the Hunger Games. I think this is kind of. This kind of feels like that. It's like, you know, it's it, it, it's for kids and it's it's fine. Um, but I'm not I'm not. I'm not like, oh, this movie sucks, but I'm not like falling in love with it either. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe the end will turn me around, turn on my heart light. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll change some things. But so far, yeah, it's fine. This movie, and I apologize to you, Bruce. I don't even know now after this review, my mini review of this movie of Slumberland will actually, I don't know. We might lose someone on our transfer to cinematics. Bruce might be left behind on this because he doesn't want to go with where Eric and I traverse now. But this movie directed by Francis Lawrence, there is a moment between Marlo Barkley and Chris O'Dowd regarding stories that made me tear up. I, I actually, there was a genuine tear that rolled or maybe in Bruce's case, roiled down my cheek. I really loved this. Burn his burns. It burns. Yeah. Tear flop dick first. <laughs> Greg, he's, he's, he's not people. I swear. No, this movie was, I really enjoyed it right now. Currently in defense of Bruce, the tomato meter from critics, not saying you're an esteemed critic or I'm an esteemed critic, Bruce or, or Eric, but Tomato meter, 43%. But no, this is audience. Audience score, Bruce, 89%. That sounds and about it, right. Yeah. CG- the, the, the disparity between the two sounds about right. Of course, you're right. And look, it's C- to Bruce's point, it's CGI driven. Yeah. Look, the Jason Momoa characters flip. It's going to annoy a lot of people. I was fine with it. Okay. So it's really... It's good that we have these differing viewpoints. There will be people who will be annoyed by Slumberland as a film. There's a action set piece that I thought was pretty awesome in, in towards the middle of the movie. And I really enjoyed it. I'm giving Slumberland, and I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm giving Slumberland four stars. I really <laughs> like the movie. Are you still coming to Cinematics, Bruce? What do you think? <laughs> I mean, you know, this is four stars. <laughs> okay. that's all bruce could say eric holmes you are you are banned from giving this a rating but bruce you are welcome to give this movie four to four and a half or five stars uh i'll give it three stars get out you were giving this movie two <laughs> stars yeah, wow i mean i, mean, I think <laughs> i didn't hate it actually honestly <laughs> You, so, you. I was spending. I was spending all my uh, swears. Uh, I had to like talk a little bit extra smack on that one. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty much uh, around where Eric is. It's harmless if you have kids that are, I you know, like between like seven and nine. This is or probably, 51, or yeah, or you know, kids at heart. Kids at heart. Um, you know, it's probably in that range. It's 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 perfectly good. You can put it on and you can go uh, drink some wine and. You know, cook, <laughs> keep them occupied. I've never cooked cocoa van. I don't even know what what is cocoa van. Have you guys ever tried that? I, uh, I think it's you, rooster. Are you kidding me? Really? Wow. Okay, I'm not. No, gonna I think it. it's it's instead of calling it instead of calling it cooking rooster instead of cooking chickens, <laughs> you're cooking a rooster. I think it's called cocoa van. Oh, that's inter- interesting. Have you ever had cocoa? I could van? be wrong. Okay. Okay. So I mean, I've had chicken. Okay. There you go. There you go. So look. Slumberland harmless film from Bruce actually gives it a, a a slight recommend with three stars. I'm giving it four stars. I cried. I did cry. And it is did not cry as much as I did with bad acts. You know what I did guys with bad acts? I kept on, I watched the ending 
four times in a row so I could cry four times with bad acts. So <laughs> that is something I'm a glutton for punishment regarding glutton for punishment. Okay. So wait, by the way, that is bad acts in the, not in theaters on streaming on Netflix, November 18th. Again, I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming Bruce is going to say, look, three stars for, for uh, slumberland. But if you really want to see a really good movie, four star film, at least four stars, that would be the wonder that's also available on Netflix right now. What is not available on Netflix is another Jason Momoa film. He's in this. He's not one of the main characters. He's one of the co-writers on this movie. Comes out in theaters, digital and on demand, November 18th. The movie is called The Last Manhunt. It is based on a true story and it centers on, yeah, in the early 1900s, Willie Boy, he falls in love with a girl named Carlotta from the, I don't even know how to pronounce her tribe, but they go off. They're forbidden to be together. And what happens is Carlotta's dad does not want her to leave the tribe, the, the their collective. And, but Willie Boy does not follow suit. He's in love with this young girl, um, young woman, and they go off into the uh, desert wild west to escape the clutches of her dad. And what happens is there is a huge manhunt involved. There's a sheriff along with his various assistants and fellow lawmakers and they're just or there and there's a couple of members of the tribe who are waiting to actually take down Willie Boy or actually just uh, bring Carlo, Carlotta back home to her loving family. But, you know, there are a lot of tragic elements that happen within The Last Manhunt. Again, you know, some of you might have seen or are familiar with the story because it was previously made into the Robert Blake, Willie, no, Robert Blake, Robert Redford movie, Tell Them Willie Boy Was Here. But now this is that was then. This is now. This is The Last Manhunt. Jason Momoa has a couple of scenes in the movie, but again, he's not one of the main characters in the film. Let's start off with Eric Holmes. Have you seen The Last Manhunt? It's directed by Christian Carmago, Camargo, and he Camar- Camargo plays also the sheriff. He has a big role in the movie as well. Would you recommend this movie? I, I would. This is kind of a, um, I'm not going to say this is better than uh, Old Henry because it's not, but it's kind of that same kind of Western. It's uh, real meat and potatoes, and then it's got uh, it's got some stuff going on at the end that I really appreciated. Um, I mean, it is hard. It's just yeah, like you said, it's uh, 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 Willie Boy and Carlotta run off together, and uh, they don't like that. Um, the best part is like kind of towards the last half where it's like this was never about justice. And then that, and then when they get to that part through the rest of the movie, it's like, okay, that's what this movie's about. And I, I really appreciated that. Um, um, but even without that part, it's still just a decent kind of, uh, meat and potatoes kind of Western, like not, not much story, but the story that is there is real focused. And, uh, you know, we're just watching these characters hunt down these other characters and what happens as a result of that. And it's pretty good stuff. Okay. Meat and potatoes, good. Oh, Last also, um, written by Thomas Sibbett and story by Jason Momoa and Thomas oh, okay. Sibbett. So, Jason Momoa had a part in writing. I don't know. It says story by, so I'm guessing he's like, "All right, my man, we get a Willie Boy movie. Let's get it going." Maybe that's all it was, <laughs> but I, I have no idea what his writing, uh, um, what what he threw into that. But yeah, this is double. This one's double Momoa. Double Momoa for The Last Hunt and Slumberland. And I think Eric actually has some really good things to say about The Last Man Manhunt. I agree with Eric. 
Bruce, do you agree with us? Meat and Potatoes Western that is worth, at the very least, a watch. I didn't watch this movie, so I don't know. <laughs> oh, good. But if you I'm did, glad. what would you think? I was too busy watching dinosaur-sized geese being ridden by <laughs> beasts. I, beast I am characters. That's very, very good. I'm giving The Last Manhunt three and a half stars. What are you giving it, Eric Holmes? I a little, If Old Henry is a five-star movie, this has got to be at least a four-star movie. Um, okay, very cool. I, I, yeah, I, th- I think it's just... It's just one of those things that does uh, kind kind of like what we were talking about with Smile. It it, it knows the genre and it's doing it really well. And then uh, even um, beyond Smile, this one kind of adds that little extra little extra stink at the end of it to uh, make me appreciate it just that much more. Okay, we're almost done with it. Our final episode of Find Your Film. Look, Eric, you recently did an interview, Lost Angel, the genius of Judy Sill. So you can find that interview with the filmmakers on our Find Your Film podcast feed. Now, let me get to both of you. Just a very quick take on the singer-songwriter. And it's a is it an interesting documentary? Is it worth watching? Et cetera, et cetera. Bruce, your take on Lost Angel, the genius of Judy Sill. I think it is an interesting documentary. Uh, it's one of those, uh, I don't know how to describe it. Maybe one of those movies or documentaries on music that are kind of like uh, Searching for Sugar Men or something like that, where there's this very well-known artist to a very tiny group of people, but the people that know this artist like highly respect them and love them, and most of the rest of the world doesn't have any clue who this artist is. And then you take that... And you add the fact that she has a very, well, I don't want to really get into it because part of the interest of this movie is finding out about her, like her personal life is vastly different than her musical life. You know, you see her on stage and she's doing these very beautiful ethereal folk songs in the early seventies that are almost like, uh, you know, was it Joni, Joni Mitchell, Mitchell or yeah. stuff like that, but even more kind of complicated and, and like oddly orchestrated in really weird ways. Um, to the point that she didn't become as popular, probably because of that somewhat. And you would think she's one kind of person. And then her personal life is just, and once again, I'm not going to say exactly, let's just say it's very rough and tumble. <laughs> and so, so and understatement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that adds a whole level of spice to this uh, documentary. I would say if there's any uh, weakness to it, it's just that the stuff we can't know, we can't know. I mean, they did the best they could, but if there's any way that we could really like dive into even more of what was going on in her head, I mean, we do get like journal entries and things and even more about her like actual life, you know, off the stage, I would want to know it. And I think that could elevate this to just, you know, the stratosphere. I, I take, for example, the devil and Daniel Johnston, like if it could have that long term kind of access to the artist, I think it would just be even more amazing because of it but because of her shortened life and because of the inability to get that information i think it it kind of hinders it slightly but that's a pretty slight hindrance it's yeah. still a very solid documentary i think no fault of its own eric holmes they spent the filmmakers during your interview they were talking to you about how they spent nine years making this documentary do the does it feel worth it watching this documentary really well researched did you like this doc as much as bruce did yeah i, I think so i i think this is kind of uh and this is no fault of the documentaries. I I don't think it's just kind of what they're de- what they have to deal with. This this documentary is very front loaded. 
Uh, so like the, the first half is like, oh shit, holy crap, what the fuck? And then the last half is yeah, what you would expect in a music documentary. That's very cool. I like that matchup. Um, you usually go the other way around. You usually start off what you normally see in a, but I mean, this is someone's life. You know, you can't, um, maybe you could jumble it around with editing, but that's, uh, the, you know, that, that would be the, uh, that would be the end the mo- or start the movie with the, the end and then cut to them waking up and then the 30 minutes of, you know, if they, might as well start with how it starts and then uh in how it ends uh but i did uh i did appreciate kind of the um discovery uh with uh judy sill cuz i didn't know who she was and so this was kind of like a uh kind of like with be natural with elise gilbache it's like here's this person that's like super influential to all these people and i had no fucking clue who they were so um that that was kind of fun uh, but yeah, this, the, the, I, I think a lot of people will be like the first half will just like get them in, be like, what the fuck is this? And then I'll just kind of, it'll just kind of, you'll come down and kind of ease out to, throughout the rest of the documentary. But yeah, we can't, we can't say what it is, but that her, her life is not at all what you think. Um, you know, you, you have the drugs and all that stuff, but uh, the stuff that happens beforehand is pretty insane wow okay so that is lost angel the genius of judy sill bruce your rating um i probably three and a half if it had been like it was the first half all the way through i'd probably be like closer to four and a half but i think i'm probably three and a half which is still solid recommend solid recommend from bruce you how about you eric um yeah probably about the same three and a half three and a half four i'm kind of i'm kind of i'm kind of edging on four as well but i I think uh, i was too i'm right on the edge there (laughs) We'll go three point seven five on this. Three point seven five. No, we'll go. No, we'll go three and a half. No, since they're making it more difficult for the last episode of Find Your Film. Okay, okay. Last episode of Find Your Film. A couple of very quick things. Yay or nay on Slashback? I'm think I'm, I have a feeling that maybe we put the Slashback review for Cinematics. What do you guys think for next week when we when we do our Thanksgiving? Because no no movies. I'll buy by that time. I would have seen Slashback. Is it too late, Bruce, to review Slashback by next week? I don't think so. I think this is a movie that's going to have a real hard time getting lots of people talking about it. And I think that it's it's a very interesting little movie. I think it needs some some eyeballs on it. Okay, eyeballs. I, I will, what do you I think, will... Eric? Do you think uh, you think it's worth watching? Yeah. Well, um, I mean, we can get into it in the review, but uh, I would say this movie is very rough, um, and there's reasons for that. But it's it's. Uh, definitely worth checking out I, okay I worth say. checking out why don't okay so our first episode of cinematics which will be next week we will have a review of slashback and it'll be interesting to see what eric says it seems he doesn't doesn't like it as much as bruce but at least he still likes it no. he still he's no I'm, no I, I, I do but we'll we'll explain when no, we i think about i it. think we probably agree i think we probably yeah. agree <laughs> okay okay we're actually doing slashback and switchback next week so dennis quaid D- danny glover film if you want to watch that as well watch along with us have you guys ever seen switchback oh you have so. never seen ooh, switchback danny glover jared leto and uh, what is it? quaid quaid dennis quaid very good movie by the way but no we're not going to do switchback we will do slashback but how about the dark film? backwards want to do the dark backwards <laughs> the dark backwards right backwards, Adam bad, backwards bad do everything backwards <laughs> that i came from backwards man <laughs> uh, backwards man okay now finally before we go we're gonna have a box movie but before the box before the box before all that stuff eric do you have a big recommendation 
We've talked about it a couple of weeks ago, so we don't have to do with the plot line about oh. this young girl who's looking for a, her, her missing father. Her, her dad's missing. Her dad's a drunk. Her dad's a little bit of a complex guy. The dad believes he's going to find a serial killer and her that's the only clue that the daughter has. So she's looking for her, her dad all over the city in Japan. And she's looking for maybe he might be tied to a serial killer. You don't know. The movie is called Sagasu, a.k.a. Missing, VOD, November 18th. Right now, as we speak, my favorite movie of the year, along with Petit Maman, Eric Holmes, Bruce, any final Rex, final thoughts on Missing, a.k.a. Sagasu? Eric, start yes, with you. Uh, written and directed by Shinzo Katayama. And it is coming out on VOD on November 18th. So as we're recording it, it's in two days. So Friday. Yeah, Friday. If, if Friday the 18th. Uh, be on Apple's, iTunes, Amazon, Google, all all the YouTube, all this stuff. And then they're going to have a Blu-ray release in the U.S. on December 6th. Hit up that publicist, Eric Holmes. We want you to cover that Blu-ray. Oh, Hit up I'm, on, I'm on it. I'm on it. Uh, okay, you better but, on uh, it. If you're not on it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal that Blu-ray from you. So make sure you call, you email our publicist. Our publicist for Zagasu. If not, I'm going to, me and Bruce are going to steal that, okay? Make yeah, sure you get it. Yeah, I, I would say if, if we can do like one thing on our final, on our final. No, we can't. Uh, yeah, well, what is it? What uh, Finder Film I got episode it, here. Yes. But can we get just a couple of people watching Missing or Zagasu? Because it, it's a really, it's a really great movie. And I, like that, it'd be cool if this movie got to kind of the level of uh, like Parasite, you know, something like that. Because I think it deserves it, like that. And uh, the the long walks the same. Um, Luana, th- th- this is yeah, uh, uh, lose a flower weevil. Like this is one of those that like uh, is so good and deserves the you know we can scream at the top of the rooftops for as long as we can until everyone has seen this movie. Yes. And by Friday, you'll get the chance to, because they'll be streaming everywhere. Bruce, did you give the memo to Eric Holmes? We're not going to be screaming from the rooftops anymore. These will be Wakanda forever, forever, forever. And Snyder Cuts. Did you tell Eric Holmes this is our new modus operandi starting next week on Cinematics? Did you tell him that? We can scream Wakanda forever across the rooftops, right? Oh, I like that. Watch Party Sagasu forever. (laughs) Sagasu forever. Very, very good, Eric Holmes. Any final thoughts on Sagasu missing? Bruce, you just I, I just pretty much echoing what you guys say just to tell people like this is one of those movies where you think it's one thing and then it becomes something else and then you think it's that and then it becomes something else and i think that people who love movies that are unpredictable and kind of keep them intrigued throughout this is a great example of that okay before we go we're start we're leaving with a, a bang we just decided hey it's our last find your film episode let's leave with a movie that that really uplifts the spirit bruce berkey we <laughs> already told you me and eric oh by the way Skin beat, Pete, drop that beat. Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? You lie! No! What's in the fucking box? (laughs) All right, we're back. Look, why did you not listen to me and Eric? This is a movie that will set you on course to, I don't know. It sets you on some course. Yes, exactly. Or or rather, son of a... (laughs) <laughs> feel good movie of the year is that what you're saying manchester it's, by I mean, the sea i was i went two levels deep on in just sadness after watching this movie did it have the same effect on you well it, it's definitely a pretty sad movie <laughs> it's yeah, manchester by the sea and i think it was nominated for best picture 2016 when it came out if i remember correctly okay. um directed by kenneth lonergan i watched this on prime i think it's free on prime if you have that just in case anyone wants to know is it Sorry. really free though? 
Do, yeah. do you get is it? Is it? <laughs> Are you free? Are you free, Craig? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> starring uh, Casey Affleck. Oh, look, Kyle Chandler's in it. Ah, Kyle Chandler. <laughs> Very good. Um, uh, Michelle Williams, Lucas Hedges, a bunch of other people. But that's kind of your your heavy hitters in this movie. And uh, it basically just the basic concept is if you haven't seen it, it starts out with uh, Casey Affleck, who's kind of this just down and out like a uh, handyman for like three or four buildings in the Boston area, gets a call and he runs back to his hometown and uh, Kyle Chandler, his brother has died. And uh, you various have various flashbacks to find out like why his brother might've died. And uh, basically he's been left Kyle, Kyle Chandler's son, uh, Patrick played by Lucas Hedges to kind of be the caretaker for his uh, nephew, you know, that's kind of what's happening. And uh, the bulk of the movie is him, not him, uh, Casey Affleck's character, kind of with the, you know, caretaking with his son and trying to figure out, like, how are they going to move forward with their lives now that he's kind of had this kid dropped in his lap that he doesn't really, he doesn't really want to be a caretaker. He doesn't even seem like he's equipped to be a caretaker. He's Kind of like if you could look up sad sack in the dictionary, you'd probably find Casey Affleck's character. And when he's not a sad sack, he's getting drunk and, you know, beating people for looking at him for two seconds in a bar. That's kind of how his character goes. And then, and I'm not going to say what happens, but at about the midpoint of the movie, you get an extended flashback kind of more into the past of Casey Affleck's character and it drops another depressing shoe on your head <laughs> that's about as depressing as you can get. And it basically colors everything you've seen before and everything that you see after. And you kind of understand how this movie is is working to, you know, really tackle grief and coming to terms with grief and coming to terms with how do you live your life when it's never going to be the same. And that's kind of happening for both of these characters at the same time with each other as um, uncomfortable partners, you know, with the the kid and him having to both kind of deal with various things. Uh, it's a really well done movie, a, a super downer. <laughs> so super duper duper downer, great acting, amazingly moody. Um, uh, this is one of those movies that you want to watch once in your life and it's worth watching, but you don't want to watch again. I think. 100%, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I would definitely recommend it if you haven't seen it. It's it's worth watching for sure. Yeah, to me, this is a, a powerful film. Five out of five for me, but I'm not going back to it. Eric Holmes, Manchester by the Sea, your thoughts? Yeah, this is a really good one. And I have seen it a couple of times. Um, wow. Uh, the Kenneth Lonergan, um, you may know him as a writer for Analyze This, Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle, Doug, the TV show, <laughs> Doug. Uh, <laughs> I'm just looking at his filmography. I'm like, how crap. This is the same guy that wrote the TV series, Doug and analyze this and Rocky and Bullwinkle. Um, but he also uh, co-wrote gangs in New York. So then that maybe that's him edging into this, but yeah, th- this is good stuff. And so, like the, the scene with uh, Casey Affleck at the, at the police station after the thing happened. And like, he goes to get the gun, but the safety's on. It was like, 
They, and, and then they got the moments where I'm talking kind of like I am right now. It's, I, I, I don't know. It's, it, you know, and they're just back and forth, like saying nothing to each other, just like mumbling to each other. But it's like, it's got all that heart and emotion right there. Um, yeah, this is a really fantastic movie. And, uh, but it is, it is a fuck bummer for sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it. It, it, it's a good fuck bummer. So I, I would say check it out for sure. <laughs> it is a total f bummer regarding that yeah manchester by the sea it's uh, available on prime video i don't think eric or bruce have seen lonergan's previous work margaret starring anna paquin it's one of the best films i've seen in the last 20 years i was the director's cut actually i think the director's cut is over three hours i saw the i saw the theatrical cut and director's cut back to back on one saturday afternoon actually saturday morning into late afternoon swept away one of the best days of movie watching period he's also got one called you can count on me which i should probably check that one out as well right that's a beloved film with laurel linney and mark ruffalo i have not yes, seen that movie yet. i have seen that movie that movie's really good i can see the dna of that movie in this movie too yep okay yeah but margaret it's one of those movies that hopefully one of these days you guys will watch too i was trying to look it up on the blu-ray the blu-ray which i traded in several years ago i bought it back in 2012 it's now on Amazon for forty freaking dollars. My God, physical media. I guess, I guess the only piece of advice is when you have physical media and a movie you love, just keep the disc and don't trade it in because several years later it could be go up really, really high in price. That is Margaret, directed by Kenneth Lonergan. This movie is Manchester by the Sea, written and directed by Kenneth Lonergan. That is our final film for Find Your Film for our Find Your Film podcast. But before we go, Bruce, we're going to cinematics. What's in the box? Yeah. What's in the flipping box for cinematics? What's in the box? Yes. The box is still here. Let's yes. see here. All right. I, I, I roll these up into tiny little curls, and it's really hard to pull them apart. Mm. All right. Um, okay. I don't even know what this movie is exactly. It's a uh, Siri Noir. Oh, Siri Noir. Noir by Corneau. Oh, Alan Corneau. Yes. And this was suggested by Aik uh, Karepiatian, who was a filmmaker, I believe, in something we saw recently. Oh, I I care- yeah, that was uh, uh, Squeal. Aik Karepiatian. Squeal. So Siri Noir was suggested by the filmmaker of Squeal. Sweet. Okay. Very good. I think I'm going to... Well, next week it's going to be... It's Thanksgiving week, so it's going to be a light movie week for us. I think I'm, I'll be able to watch it. Eric will probably watch it. We'll all watch Siri Noir by Aik. What is it? Carpetian? And we love... Oh, yes, Carpetian. Carpetian, yeah. We love Squeal that so much. Anderson, how dare he not love that movie? Again, you can check out check out some more Find Your Film stuff. Secretly Find Your Film. Sans swearing. Sans Eric Holmes' soul and heart and insights. He's going he's gonna to toe the line. You, if you want to see vanilla Eric Holmes, that's a great way to sell cinematics. <laughs> Go to cinematics. Next week, we'll be covering a bunch of movies. Final thoughts, Eric Holmes. Before we go, before we leave, Find Your Film, cinematics, anything. Well, since this is the last uh, episode of Find Your Film, uh, I did want to uh, kind of close the loop on one thing. Um, saw a movie a long time ago called Rain on DVD. It was so really I. good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still have it in my DVD. You know what? I, I'm going to watch it next week and we'll, we'll talk about Rain on Cinematics. And you know what? We need to actually mail that DVD to someone else. How's that? Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll make sure. 
Like Bruce Berkey put rain next week on our cinematic scoop doc. <laughs> You'll not remember be? it. <laughs> I, I, I will. It's, it's right there on, on, on the cabinet. I will remember. <laughs> I think oh, I saw rem- it a year ago. I don't even know how oh, long ago. Oh, you, you don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Rain. Hmm. We'll figure, we'll figure something out. Yeah. Very good way to close the loop, Eric Holmes. So yes. per, as per usual, actually not per usual as to finally close, close out, find your film, Bruce Berkey. Uh, I'm not going to do anything spectacular. I'm just going to say, if you go watch Sagasu uh, this next week, and then add to that another similar movie as far as unpredictability, and use the 50% off Criterion sale and buy Cure. Mm-hmm. Buy Cure. Okay, very good recommendation from Bruce Perky. Thank you so much for listening to me, Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky here over at Find Your Film. We are, con- we're not saying goodbye. We're going to say until we meet again. That is vis a vis next week here on Cinematics. I will leave, yeah, just look up Cinematics. If you don't know how to spell like me, I'll leave the link where you guys can find us. All right, guys, thanks again for listening and we'll, we will talk to you next week. Bye bye.